Hi, I'm Dr. Anushka Marotra, an NHS GP and mum of two. I'm passionate about lifestyle medicine and supporting people to achieve health and happiness. After having my own children, I went through many changes myself. This made me acutely aware of the needs of new parents. In my experience as a doctor, I've noticed that new parents find it difficult to get the support they need and access trusted information. I started the Postnatal Health Podcast to discuss how to be healthy when you have kids and to share this information with as many families as possible. In this episode, I talked to Rosie Whitwell, a former nurse, health visitor and mum who trained as a gentle sleep consultant to help parents and babies get a better night's sleep. We talk about trusting your instincts, trying not to let other people's expectations of sleep impact on you, especially on babies younger than six months, and ways to help your baby and younger child sleep for longer stretches. There are lots of different approaches to baby sleep, and Rosie's suggestion about your baby, older than six months of course, sleeping in their own room, is not the only way. Different techniques will fit with individual families' instincts and relationships with their baby. Although this episode gives a general overview, personalised advice from a trusted sleep expert may suit different families. We've also posted some links to resources in the bio. Thank you so much for joining me today, uh, Rosie, uh, about our podcast on postnatal health, talking about sleep, everything to do with sleep. Um, And so first of all, just before we kind of get into the nitty gritty about sleep, um, I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and why you've become a sleep consultant. Yes, it's lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, Yeah, so I was a nurse initially back in my 20s and then I qualified as a health visitor um, and worked throughout my 30s and 40s really into as as a health visitor, bringing up my own children at the same time. Um, And then about three years ago, I, with one thing and another with my children and all their commitments and, and needing to be more full-time at work it just wasn't really working out um, and I just thought that what else can I do that is still in my skill set and I thought the one thing that people ask me about every day as a health visitor is sleep um, so I sort of looked around and saw that there was a really good course a sleep yeah. practitioner course for health professionals at Southampton um, run by paediatricians and psychologists and um, sleep practitioners down at their hospital and yeah. I t- took myself off onto that course and um, left the health service and absolutely haven't looked back really it's um you know I, there are parts about working on your own which yeah. are difficult but the the actual sleep consultancy side of it is just brilliant really because people come to me when they're literally on their knees with exhaustion um and i you know over 90 percent of cases are quite easily rectified really by behavioral um techniques so it's just such a rewarding job really and i'm 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 my own boss now so (laughs) it's really good Sounds good. And and that's definitely, I think, one of the reasons that we wanted to do um, an episode on sleep was, as you say, by the time people often are getting to the point of asking for that kind of help, it, it it's at, at a very late stage. And maybe, um, hopefully, in le- having a few tips and, and learning um, 
they might be able to improve the situation earlier. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there is a real gap, actually, for mums and dads in those early days um, because, obviously, health visitors and midwives are seeing you quite a bit to start with. Um, but then, really, once those first six to eight weeks are over, you're basically on your own and you can go to clinic, um, which obviously in the current circumstances is even more difficult than usual. Um, you can go to clinic and ask questions, but often there's a big queue of other mums wanting to ask questions. So your time with the health visitor is very limited. And then you don't get to see anyone again until about nine months, by which time, you know, lots of different things can be happening. and. Um, you know, like you say, it's often a really late stage by nine months. So there's definitely a window there for lots more education about sleep before before the six month stage, really. Yeah. And that that's brings me to a, a question I really wanted to ask you, actually, which was, do you think there is a specifically good time to start thinking about sleep training or sleep methods for your baby at a good age? Yeah, I mean, I think I always, I think with my health visitor background as well and having had three of my own, I think those early days, you, as long as you are giving them lots of lots of milk, lots of love, lots of cuddles, um, the, the sleep really is going to be disrupted whichever way yeah. you look at it. But actually, by the, I mean, you can start a little bit of a bedtime routine really as early on as you want because that mm -hmm. can quite often provide a bit of structure for for parents anyway in the evening even though they're going to be with you at bedtime because they they're, they're going to be downstairs with you um as yeah. you have your your evening um but you can i would say by around three months you can start to have a really good bedtime routine in progress um which would just involve really simple steps like a bath or a, a you know a wash if you're not bathing every day um and just a, a feed um maybe a little story afterwards um if you're feeding to sleep fine do the story beforehand um so i would say around 3 months you can have something like that in place and then mm -hmm. as you head towards 6 months you can often advise parents to just think about introducing a little gap at bedtime between the feed and when you actually put them down so maybe changing things around a little bit so that they're not feeding to sleep uh, just give it a try and if it doesn't if it's not successful you putting them down um, before sorry after a feed um, and having had a little story if it's not successful one week you can try it again another week so it doesn't have you don't have to have them you know crying because it's not worked you know yeah. just just sort of give up and give it a, give it another go a bit later so I, I would say obviously being time specific is is difficult because they are all different yeah but definitely as you approach six months really start to think about how they're falling asleep um because you know it can just really help to just bring in that little gap and bedtime is the best time to do it because um by six months they've got a really good circadian rhythm going so they know the difference between night and day that sort of bodies know um with the light signals and feeding signals etc um and also they should have a bit of sleep pressure that's built up because they can go a bit longer between naps um by that stage so 
you know, bedtime's a really good, you've got their biology working in your favour, if you like, to sort of have them really sleepy as you put them down. Um, so it's that would definitely worth thinking about. But don't, I, I always get a little bit anxious when people start talking about strict routines and things much yeah. before six months because I just don't think it's really very helpful. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if that links with the kind of different methods of sleep training that are out there because I think that kind of talking to mums and talking to patients, people can be quite confused by the huge variety of... Um, of advice of different kind of things that you can do yes yeah i mean it is I and mean, the strictly speaking um any any sleep consultant that says that they can you that you should start sleep training before six months um i would i would be very cautious about that mm. um and obviously pediatricians um would advise that from six months you your baby possibly can go without needing a feed overnight but again I think six months is very young to expect that and obviously there is a huge range of normal some babies can go all night without having a feed but I'd say the vast majority and particularly breastfed babies are still needing a feed at six months so I would I think in terms of any sleep training I would um, be very cautious and I tend to work with babies that are perhaps eight or nine months at, mm-hmm. at the earliest really okay um, and then in terms of actual methods, um, I mean, everyone's heard of cry it out. Yeah. And uh, again, I don't think anyone would recommend that anymore. Um, and it obviously that involves just putting your baby down and leaving them to cry before yeah. they go to sleep, which is, you know, believe it or not, that was recommended years ago. Um, and it's what obviously some... Uh, some older relatives might suggest to you um, and in fact only yesterday someone said that to me when I told really? them what I did and they said does that just mean you leave, tell the parents to leave them to cry for a few hours and I said no it doesn't mean that oh um, but so obviously it's quite a complicated process yeah. but the around nine months you can very much support from nine months onwards um, I should say you can support them to basically fall asleep by themselves um, if you you can stay in the room with them again there is a method called um, graduated retreat which is quite is recommended quite a lot and that involves leaving the room at timed intervals sort of two minutes five minutes up to about 15 minutes um but i found from my personal practice that actually that it's actually much more helpful to tell parents to use their intuition yeah so rather than looking at the clock actually staying in the room with their baby if they want to some babies get quite cross if mum or dad is sitting there with them uh and so sometimes i do say leave the room if if they're less cross about that but generally speaking little ones like it if you're there yeah um and and then just every if they need picking up after two minutes that's what you do but equally if they're fine for five minutes in however long it doesn't really matter it's more how you respond to what their different cries are telling you yeah um and just gradually and any baby that's falling asleep 
easily by themselves um, actually still takes about 10 minutes to fall asleep. Mm. So that's how long you need to sort of give them to, to get themselves to sleep on a normal night anyway. So, and often the first night of trying to, to get them to go to sleep on their own will take a lot longer than that. But subsequent nights can be really very quick. Yeah. Anything much less than 10 minutes, they're probably overtired um, because actually them just being in their bed um, and just happily, you know, kicking about a bit as they drop off to sleep for 10 minutes is perfectly normal. Yeah. Um, and what so about crying? in that time you know yeah so so if they're crying and it's a bit grumbly and a bit sort of what they might do if they if you were a bit late to get a bottle or a breastfeed to them so if you if you're in the middle of doing something else and they're crying um if it's just that sort of you haven't met my needs straight away cry yeah um then then leave them as long as you think that that's okay. So just think about other circumstances during the day um, and you would, you don't rush to them immediately every time. Um, and then the minute you start to think, okay, well, they're not, this isn't going anywhere. They're going to get more upset now if I don't intervene. Yeah. Then you would either... Um, I always recommend sitting next to them, not standing over them, because if you stand over them, they think you're going to pick them up. Oh, that's a good tip, um, yeah. So if you sit next to them and put your hand through the um, cot sides and just stroke their hair um, maybe hold their hand um, just shush them or say your good night phrase I always recommend that you have a, a set phrase that you sort of repeat really whenever you need to sort yeah. of no night mummy loves you sleepy time or you know whatever yeah. comes naturally to you um, but then if that still doesn't work I always say pick them up if you need to and if you think that's going to help, you know, just and especially the first night um, as they're getting used to that different way of falling asleep, you know, you might need to pick them up and give them a cuddle, maybe walk them around the room a little bit um, before trying to put them back down again. Yeah. And it's just really, you just keep trying, but you're not, um, you know, the first night that you're trying it, it's going to be it's going to be repetitive you're going to have to keep going through the stages yeah but then it very quickly improves yeah um i mean literally within you know a couple of days they can be yeah they they can have learned if you've got the timing right at bedtime it can be quite miraculous really so just summarizing some key points i've heard from what you've said so far um is that by about three months you could be doing a little bit of a evening routine it doesn't have to be very rigid and and my understanding of that was because around that time, that's when they can start to understand the day and night routine. As you said, the circadian rhythm, yeah. is that right? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. And then yeah. A, a, by around six months, trying to separate a little bit the f- night, the, the feed right before yeah. sleeping. Yes, that's that's a quite a good age to start that, yeah. And then, you know, I think you were saying nine months, thinking that's when most of you, that's when you'd see the earliest clients most of the time to do some of this more um slight slightly graduated but um kind of uh also very responsive and reactive um teaching them to settle uh, but some crying is going to be involved but am i hearing not that kind of absolute desperation crying 
Um, yeah, yeah. You, you don't want that because equally, um, as just as we want them to have um, lots of melatonin in their system at bedtime, we also don't want them to have lots of cortisol, which yeah. is you know sort of the stress hormone, which doesn't um, go very well with sleep. Yeah. So you don't want them to get um, sobbing, really stressed. Yeah. No, absolutely. So yeah. intervene, pick them up, give them a cuddle. Mm. Um, you know if they need that. Um, yeah. But it it can it can be quite um wearisome i would say the yeah. first night because they because they've learnt, they've they've not known how to fall asleep in this way yeah. um ever since they've been born you know you've always yeah. rocked them or held them yeah. or fed them so it's a new it's something new they're learning and they get the hang of it amazingly quickly you just have to give them a little bit of space yeah a little bit of patience yeah, on those some... first couple of nights <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah <laughs> and do you know rosie of any evidence about any any of the negative effect of either the cry out method or why these may be two questions apologies if they are or why we shouldn't do things like this before six months well the evidence obviously is very sketchy because it's not something people want to um to sort of set up as a um experiment really but the only um the sort of negative sides um would have mainly come out of sort of Romanian orphanages and that kind of thing where right. ba- where babies um, aren't it's not in the context of uh, loving attached parenting yeah. um, so so that I mean, obviously there is the attachment parenting side of it would be you know very much the it's damaging to leave babies to cry um, and absolutely it is uh, and, and it goes against your mothering instincts yeah. but I don't know I, I don't know of any specific um, evidence that's been because it's such a difficult yeah, experiment yeah, to carry out on yeah. you know with, with babies and loving yeah. loving attached homes um, so that's that's always where I'm coming from really mm-hmm. with with this is that um, if you are shutting the door on your baby and the baby's going to cry until morning then you know obviously that's probably not you know the the baby is going to be feel you know what on earth's going on yeah. where's mum and dad yeah, um but if mum and dad are sitting next to them and helping them with this then yeah. it's then they know that they know that they're there yeah um so that that's always where i'm coming from really uh and that you know, I do always ask about postnatal depression as well because I think it's very important that mums are feeling strong enough to do this. Mm. Um, it's quite... I mean, obviously, sleep and postnatal depression are, are very connected. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I always would want to work with parents who are sort of feeling that their mental health is taking a, a hit from sleep deprivation but i but i tread very carefully yeah. um because it is a very you know it's a it's a balancing act really yeah. which is why i would be slightly worried about um taking advice from people who don't really have that background um if if you if you're phoning a sleep consultant because you you are worried about your mental health then just just be careful who you choose really um, yeah, really so I don't. So yeah, on my sorry to interrupt there. I just um, on the course that I did with um, the Southampton practitioners, they they just said there really wasn't any good evidence to to show that 
um, the gentle techniques um, were harmful really in any way yeah and you know my experience is very much the opposite so when you've been through this process generally speaking um, babies are very happy to see you in the morning yeah um, and they they often when they're well rested it's just much more fun for mum during the day as well definitely definitely yeah so um and that kind of balancing it all yeah that that the point with me that i wanted to ask was would you recommend that the baby is in a different room when going through this stage um and also to ask a bit about co-sleeping and and any thoughts about that i mean yes i i think um I mean, obviously, I, I've worked with a lot of parents who have had babies in the same room for whatever yeah. circumstance. Um, it it can work really well, actually, uh, if they're in the same room with you. Um, and uh, But I would say it is easier if they are in their own nursery. So yeah. if you've got to that point, and by nine, by nine months, they can, you know, very safely be yeah. in their own room. Um, obviously up until six months we want them in with mum and dad anyway Um, so I would say you can do it successfully it's just a little bit harder if if, especially if you're if there's not much space between you and and the baby's cot um, because if they can see you yeah um, you know they might be wondering why you're not you know picking them up and feeding them yeah Uh, but I would say it's 50 50 really I, I, I think probably on balance um if i could say which would be my the easiest thing to do is have them in in their own nursery yeah and in terms of um co-sleeping i i think that it can be quite hard to do um really effective sleep training i would say um when it's tied up with feeding yeah so but i think you I think once once they get to an age where you think they don't need to be fed every two hours during the night or three hours, it it can you you can do it, um, and it's it's mother's preference really, um, but I tend to work with mums who are getting to the point um, that they they're thinking about going back to work, um, and they of, often want to stop as much feeding overnight anyway yeah and it's sort of or you know and maybe wanting to to get back with their own in their own bed by themselves and baby in a cot in a nursery sort of so I, I do tend to work with older babies and not not the young the young ones just because it there's so many interwoven issues of you know feeding and co-sleeping and it's just easier um it's just easier to extrapolate all the all the uh I'm not putting it very well here but I just I just find that for mums it's just for mums and babies it's a lot less confusing yeah. you know where you are yeah um and am I right in thinking can, that around six months anyway breastfed babies still may need one or two feeds at night I know it's very absolutely. variable but yeah yeah absolutely and I you know I that's again why I don't really tend to work with that younger age group it's just um for me it's just very difficult to say that they don't need a feed you know they're barely started on solids yeah um so I think uh, because part of part of the one of the reasons why sleep training 
can be successful is if mum mentally feels strong enough to tackle it. And I think if there's any doubt in mum's mind that baby's hungry, then she's not going to stick to it anyway. So I I just think it's easier to wait till baby's on, you know, three meals a day and mum's not too worried. I mean, I have Um, to say, with my older daughter, we did the sleep training for her when she was, yeah, eight or nine months. But I couldn't, I couldn't, deal with it <laughs> my husband yeah. did it yeah <laughs> basically yeah. in two or three nights he just did it um and I was feeding her still but you know she didn't, wasn't really feeding at night so that's why it was fine yeah um but even yeah. then you know I just it, it, even hearing a little bit of crying I couldn't cope with it so yeah no it is it's really <laughs> difficult yeah and I I think um you know that's another thing that helps helps with the sleep training is if you've got a really good support network whether yeah. that's your partner or you know mum or yeah. friend or whatever because actually it's really tough to to do it on your own yeah. but you know I often find that well I, I not often always actually that um if mums are breastfeeding with with this they can they still always continue to breastfeed so they you know especially if they're going back to work yeah. it's it's lovely it's lovely if they can be feeding them in the morning before they go off to nursery yeah. and yeah. then feeding them at bedtime it's just those you know lovely um lovely moments that Definitely. you can still ha- still have when you're back at work um and it has you know feeding less at night by that sort of age 9 months onwards actually has that your milk supply is absolutely fine it's you can still carry on feeding as much as you want during the day yeah that's really good to know definitely that yeah you you know even if you're doing sleep training and they sleep through the night in a different room uh, as you say you can still breastfeed and you can still have those those lovely moments yeah absolutely and and also I always just say at the end of the day you have to trust your instincts so if your if your little one is giving you um you know, is crying and and you're getting you're picking up that they need a feed. Then then that's what you do because yeah. you, you know them better than anyone. Yeah, definitely. Um, thank you. I wanted to ask something. Um, I I've had some experience having some patients come to me, mainly mothers, who um have themselves found it very difficult to sleep, even if their baby is sleeping. But often their baby hasn't been sleeping very well, and then when the baby starts to sleep, they then can't sleep. Have you um, ever had any experience of that or any thoughts about that in your practice? So you're, you've got a mum whose baby is now sleeping well, but they can't sleep yeah. very well. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, people with, with this, I don't, I te- don't tend to hear about that because, um, because they sort of sign off with me once baby's sleeping yeah. well. But obviously as a health visitor, it's, you know, I think, that there can be um parents that have are left just you know they find their skill of sleeping has yeah. sort of left them yeah um and i you know i would just say try it's just one of those things sleep the more anxious you become about it the the less the less good at sleeping you become um and i there was a sleep book that i read um I, a psychologist and he you know one of the things he he said in there which really stuck with me is when you ask um people that can't sleep sorry when you ask people that sleep well what do they do at night time they say nothing well nothing i just fall asleep and i think anyone that's suffering with insomnia has usually has a list of things that they go through don't they that they're you know to get them into a 
taken to us yeah. feeling sleepy and so actually I think we just have to try not to to worry about it yeah. too much and and hope that um that sleep will come and I and I I really love telling people to have a, a daytime nap if they can because they can really revive you yeah. um, even if it's just for 20 minutes yeah. um, you know quite uh, after lunch we have a bit of a dip with our circadian rhythm anyway so that's quite a good time if your little one's having a nap yeah. at that time I would say just lie down on the sofa and see what happens yeah. don't don't put pressure on yourself to fall asleep but just rest yeah. and sometimes that can just really help um, but yes I, d- I don't I don't tend to deal with that too much uh, anymore. Yeah, no, that's still, that's really um, a useful tip, definitely, is to not put too much pressure on yourself about sleep. Um, And I think for anyone who is struggling, then absolutely to to see their GP or health visitor. Um, And I completely agree with you, you know, having having it's a balance between having too much of a, a list and, and a routine that you feel like you have to get yeah. through versus having yeah. some healthy evening um routines to tell your body that it's time to sleep yeah um, absolutely and I, yeah. I think you know having having a warm bath is great because yeah. you know that, that that drop in temperature when you come out yeah. actually tells your body it's time for sleep absolutely. so a warm bath is part of a bedtime routine that you know I would recommend yeah um and yeah obviously keep cutting out caffeine as much as you can um in the afternoon for definitely yeah um because that hangs around in your system the caffeine can hang around for quite a long time afterwards Something like a half um, a life of six hours so yeah a long, long re- time. Yeah, yeah absolutely so there are things that you can do to help yourself um as an adult um you know that just make good sense and the other i think the other thing that we that we stress also is having really regular bedtime and getting up time yeah uh, that can really help as well yeah. um, even though it might go against um, what your body's telling you because if you've not slept well overnight you might feel like lying in but actually keeping to the same getting up time can just really help yeah um, so that by your rhythm doesn't it absolutely and it just again it helps build that sleep pressure so that yeah. when you're in the evening you're you know you've got a healthy build-up of uh, adenosine that can yeah. help you drop off to sleep very similar to what we're trying to do with our babies that's kind of why i wanted Absolutely. to bring it up yeah yeah <laughs> it is very very similar um and you know by uh, little ones do have slightly different sleep rhythms um when they're first born mm. but you know by by six months they've got a fairly mature um sleep cycle going on so we yeah can, we can do a lot of the same things really <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and obviously I've I was mentioned that I've got a, an older daughter she's four so I was again wondering if you had any tips for families who have older children you know some people might have older children who are only a year older um to you know slightly older children yeah so I I would say the most important thing is bedtime routine with older children um and just having that really gentle unwind time i've worked i do work with quite a lot of older children actually um and i would say the vast majority just cutting out tv an hour or so before bed can be really helpful even if you think it's gentle um tv actually it just adds to adds to the evening sort of hustle and bustle so i think if you're if you take tv out of the equation um 
for an hour or so before bed that can just make the household much calmer absolutely the, um, the blue light from the tv and from the screen as much as for adults also for children affects your your day and night rhythm your circadian rhythm so yeah i'm really, really glad does. to hear that yeah that's your advice yeah, yeah no it really does and i would say i get feedback from that really quickly um just last week um a mum said i can't believe how much difference just switching the tv off made yeah. Yeah. and i know we're not with in you know we, i'm not being unrealistic it's you know i know TV is just a lovely part of a child's day when they're, you know, especially when they're tired, they're coming from school or whatever. But, you know, no, I'm not saying don't watch it, but actually if you can just keep it out, the bedtime routine, yeah. it can really help. Yeah. And then just having a fairly, fairly short bedtime routine as well. Don't let it go on too long. Sort of, you know, 45 minutes with an older child is, is plenty. Yeah. Um, make sure you're sort of ruling out things like being hungry. So if they've had their tea really early, if they've been with a childminder or whatever, just make sure that they're not hungry when they go to bed. Yeah. Um, because you're sort of wanting them to go all night. Yeah. Um, just have that really short bedtime routine. S- stories are obviously great, um, calming. And a lot of children want parents to lie with them um, when they're going to sleep. And parents, often that's why people get in touch with me because, you know, they just literally can't cope anymore. They, you know, they've been out at work all day yeah. uh, and then they're lying there for an hour or two while they're child goes off to sleep in the evening and they just need a bit of time to themselves definitely um so a really good tip with that sort of age you know with the sort of um school age or young you know younger child nursery age child if is to sit with them rather than lie with them to start with you know sit in a chair next to them and really I would say the vast majority of the time that goes a lot more easily than you think it's going to. Yeah. Parents are saying, well, you know, I've been doing this since they were born. I don't know how how they'll cope with that. But they, you know, and then I normally say, leave it at that stage for a good week or so. Yeah. And once they're falling asleep quickly and easily with you in the chair, then you can move to the middle of the room. And again, just keep doing that for another week or so while they get used to that. And they just gradually build up their confidence that they can do it yeah and the other thing and obviously you're moving away slowly towards sitting in the doorway and then in the corridor and it it obviously takes around a month or so to get to that point Mm -hmm. Um, but the the other key thing there for parents to remember is making sure that the baby the child is actually tired enough yeah because quite often um they're not tired enough so i would say when you're lying there next to them before you've started anything make a note of what time they've actually dropped off so if it's always they're always asleep by nine then that should be your new bedtime Mm -hmm. um so rather than trying starting at eight and it might seem like that's too late and you can gradually you can gradually bring that back to a more reasonable time once it's working well yeah but children very quickly build up a negative association with lying in bed awake and Mm. not being able to get to sleep so i always recommend starting at that time that they're falling asleep really easily so you know whatever time that is and then just gradually bringing it back to the time that you want it to be without them even noticing yeah um so that would be they would be the top tips with older children that's really helpful that's really useful and and i'm really interested to hear the kind of echoes and similarity and adults older children and babies the differences yeah it is very similar isn't it yeah absolutely 
Yeah, it is because that's what we'd say to adults, isn't it? We'd yeah. say, you know, don't don't go to bed until you know you're you know you know that you'll be absolutely on your knees with tiredness. <laughs> don't lie there yeah. for hours and hours. Absolutely, to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it, and it just well, you know I'm working with a six year old girl at the moment, and it's just working so well. Yeah, um, you know, it's it is miraculous, really. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Um, there's been loads of really useful information. The only thing that I wanted to just touch on um, was to ask you a little bit about other factors uh, that might affect sleep, yeah. the kind of external factors to consider, especially if you're going to be doing sleep training. Um, I've seen you've written a few quite interesting posts about that, so that's why something I wanted to ask about. Yeah, so um, obviously one of the main things that parents are dealing with in those early years is teething yeah um and i always say don't it shouldn't really interfere with sleep training too much um i would if you if you're thinking that during the day that they've been giving signals that they're teething um you know uh, seem to be a little bit more cranky than usual um dribbling um sucking their fingers that kind of thing then don't be I mean, obviously you're you're a doctor you might correct me on this but I always think for a few nights in a row if you think they're teething it's fine to to give them some paracetamol yeah I agree um but any longer than that really it's probably not going to be teething Absolutely. so you need to be looking into other causes but yeah. you'd normally see a tooth has come through after a, a few nights yeah um so obviously the heat is one that we think about at this time of year yeah um, it can be really difficult to fall asleep when it's warm because, like we've mentioned uh, earlier, actually your body relies on a drop in temperature to get to sleep, yeah. um, sort of signal to the body it's time for sleep. It works with our circadian rhythm. Um, so, again, that having a, a little bit of sort of tepid water on you and then the, as the water evaporates, that can help your core temperature drop. Um, so even if you're not, uh, even if it's not bath night for your little one, because um, a lot of babies don't have a bath every night, yeah. you can just use a, f- a flannel or just a bit of a, you know, splashing effect on their face if it's a really hot, hot evening. Yeah. Um, whatever they'll tolerate, really. Um, and that can be useful. A, a fan in the room that's not pointed at them. Um, some people recommend putting a bit of ice in front of it as well, which can help colder air circulate. Yeah. Um, uh, what else? What other things would be? Um, obviously, if they've got um, a temperature, then if they if they're unwell, then don't even think about Absolutely. any sort of sleep training. Yeah. Um, and and obviously these things come along. You know, I can't. I can. There's been so many occasions where, you know, babies have been sick during sleep training. You know, or they've you know had you know, had an upset tummy or a cold, whatever. Yeah. Um. So again, it, this is where you need to trust your mothering instincts. You you really do know how how unwell they've been and and just put things on pause for a few days yeah and then just restart Um, again when they're feeling better absolutely and and again once once you've once you've successfully got them sleeping well you know things will come along to to you know to put pay to your best laid plans you know you'll go on holiday you'll go to stay away and just go with whatever whatever you need to do for for that length of time and then when you get back you know that when you get back home you know that you can pick up where you left off and start again because it's just so much easier once you know know that they can do it yeah that's that's really helpful and 
again, that's something that I have experienced myself is kind of having to go through some of the steps again more than more than once yes. with my daughter yeah. through you know through exactly as you said having gone on holiday a sickness or just getting yeah. older I don't know some kind of developmental phase that she's gone through so again yeah is that something that you would um, advise yes the de- developmental phase can actually be that can be a really big one when they're yeah. learning to crawl and walk and that kind of thing yeah. you know if once they've learned to stand up in their cot it can all be quite entertaining yeah. for them to practice in the night <laughs> um so you you just again you just need to be patient yeah. um and you know just just go through that and hope that it passes quite quickly yeah um once they've got the hang of it yeah, yeah. so that i think certainly in terms of rolling over as well that's a common question that i get asked is you know when when can they find their own sleeping position because obviously it's back to sleep isn't it yeah um for for as long as you can you know at least up to six months um but once they once your little one is actually rolling in both directions well you can leave them to find their own sleeping position yeah but you know unfortunately they do start to roll onto their tummies first and then aren't able to get back so we recommend that you when you're awake that you do put them back onto their backs um but obviously don't worry about it when you're asleep at night because uh, we don't want mums getting anxious yeah. about it so it's just a, it's usually a short phase that they go through and, and just give them lots of time to practice tummy time during the day yeah. um so they get the hang of it really yeah. <laughs> great that's that's been such a useful um chat rosie and really clear uh advice and, and steps because you know very general and clear advice i think you've you've given is there anything else that you'd like to say or to add at this point i think my overriding advice would be just try not to especially in the early days uh, and and like with you, you have a little one that's six months I would just you know in those early days as you head towards six months just try not to listen to the outside noise that you know people saying oh aren't they sleeping through the night yet yeah. and that kind of comment because it can make you feel that you're doing something wrong and actually you're not or you're all you're doing is providing your baby with all the love care attention food nourishment that that you need to um and you know you can slowly slowly get towards more sleep after that sort of you know initial really intense period so yeah i would i would just try not to worry um about all you know people that have often forgotten what it's like to have little ones as well (laughs) um so just just trust your own instincts more than anything really if you if, if something doesn't sound right then it probably isn't yeah um, and you know, and if you if you are struggling, ask your health visitor or GP to you know point you in the right direction. Really, um, because there's lots of help out there. Yeah, absolutely. And don't don't suffer in silence, really. Um, and yes, yeah, so that would be my main main advice, really. Up up to six months, anything goes, really. Um, whatever helps you get get through the nights and days. Thank you. And actually, I think that is quite a useful yeah. um, final point is that if someone does need to get further help, absolutely to go to the health visitor or, or speak to the GP. Um, and I'm just wondering, are there any services other than GP or health visitor that you're aware of on the NHS that people can get help from? 
Um, well, in terms of, obviously with um, older children, um, there are the sleep services. There aren't that many around yeah. the country. Um, there's definitely a sleep, um, there's definitely a setup at, in yeah. London at the Evelina, um and Southampton and obviously Sheffield there's actually a um, a really good sleep service there and there's a sleep charity which is actually called the sleep charity I think so that's um, so that's uh, a website that you can look up Um, uh, apart from that you very much be I mean obviously there are things like home start where you could you know get some help during the day um, if you're struggling, mm-hmm. um, but in terms of sleep specifically, um, it's, no, it's really just limited, your, isn't it? Your yeah. help is to, um, yeah, and yeah. then but health visitors are normally fairly well, um, first yeah, on great. It. So that would definitely be a good first point of call, yeah. Um, and if people were looking for um, something a little bit more, they were finding it difficult to access uh, any further services in the NHS and they wanted to pay for it, do you have any advice about, um, what to look out for if looking if they're going to look for a private sleep practitioner yes i mean if you if you want someone to come and visit you at home then obviously look on your um look on your local sort of google search and you know some somebody will invariably be quite close to where you live um whether they at the moment we can't visit people in their homes um, but I would be just a little bit cautious, um, look into their background and, and it depends what you want, want really. Unfortunately, there aren't any set qualifications that you need with um, sleep consultancy. So anyone can be a sleep consultant, uh, which is obviously quite uh, surprising. Um, so look into their background a little bit. You know, some some will have been nannies before some will have been uh, in education uh, and some will have say just been mums but that will be their yeah. background they, they've they've been a mum they've had trouble with their own baby sleeping um and they've gone on a, yeah. an online course unfortunately there's no uh there's no official course that you can go on it they're all very different mm. Uh, and some are better than others, so really, it just do your research and with whatever you're whatever you're happy with, really. Um, but but go in with your eyes yeah. open because there are you know some will have very little in the way of paediatric experience. Um, so if you've got any other issues, uh, which we haven't actually touched on today, but things like reflux or um, cow's milk protein allergy, that kind yeah. of thing, which can all wreak havoc with sleep. Yeah. Just again, probably you want to look for someone who's got experience in that area. Thank you. So just be just just be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And if someone wanted to find listening, if someone listening, sorry, wanted to find out a bit more about you or contact you, where can they find that information? Well, I'm on Instagram at baby and child underscore sleep. So that's you can direct message me, um, have a look at my posts. I try and be try and give lots of sort of helpful advice mm-hmm. on there. Um, and also I have a website babyandchildsleep.com so people can get in touch with me via uh, via email on there um, and I'm also on Facebook so yeah baby and child sleep that's me great thank you Rosie I really have to say that was incredibly helpful and like I say very clear so it's been it's been really great chatting to you um, 
And Fantastic. I've really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, thank you. I get a bit carried away sometimes. No, so. not at all. <laughs> it was really good. It was really, really helpful. I hope it can be helpful to lots of parents yeah. out there. Um, and I think it's definitely going to be helpful for me. I'm going to go and speak to my husband about some of the things that you've said today. <laughs> so Brilliant. Thank Brilliant. you so much. Um, and thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. Next week, I talk to Sarah Bushell, a.k.a. the Children's Nutritionist, all about baby weaning and healthy family eating habits.